0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to our first mock draft of the 2024 offseason here on the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic. Kevin, it is time for the first 2024 mock draft of the offseason because we technically did one during the bye week uh, and the picks actually didn't change that much funny enough the Falcons were picking ninth in that bye week mock draft they're picking eighth now in this one and we do have a relatively settled draft order you know things may change obviously the one big one that we're waiting on for the Falcons is the Calvin Ridley trade um, to see if he does indeed get re-signed because that would make a huge difference in terms of the compensation that the Falcons would get in moving from a third round pick, which it currently is based. Ridley did hit all of those numbers that he needed to hit for it to be an assured third round pick instead of a fourth. So we're really just waiting to see if it turns into a second. And of course we probably won't know that until early March. And we just have to kind of go with the third for now, but if it becomes a second, we'll all be pretty happy campers and it'll be a nice surprise. So uh, at this stage though, the Falcons, do you have, I believe it is seven total picks. Um, They've got their first rounder, they've got their own second rounder, they've got their own third rounder, and then they have a third rounder from the Jaguars, as well as their own fourth, their own fifth, and then a sixth round pick from the Browns. And that is, as far as I know, the accurate picks. I've tried to be as exhaustive as I can. Some of these trade things, they're they're maybe they're conditional and things like that, so it, it could change. At a certain point, the NFL will announce the official draft order, so we'll know for sure, but for now, assume the Falcons have seven picks, it's probably... The ones that I have questions about might be like a seventh rounder or something like that. So it's not going to drastically change this mock. I mean, I don't even know most of these seventh rounders at this point. So um, we got a ways to go, obviously, but this is a good first look at a potential draft scenario for the Falcons. Now coming out of the senior bowl, I've gotten to lay eyes on a lot of prospects, a lot of guys to consider ...adding to the normal, you know, watching that I do just during the year, watching live college games and stuff like that. So, uh, it's an exciting first look here at what could be some options for the Falcons. Before we dive in, though, got to get you guys a word from today's sponsor. First of all, we got online and once again, guys... It's playoff time. It's Super Bowl time. And the usual suspects are heading to Vegas for the championship. That's right. The San Francisco 49ers and Kansas City Chiefs, probably the most predictable two teams to make the Super Bowl this offseason. But uh, it's going to be a good one. And our petter partner. BetOnline is your number one source for foul, for football odds, stats, trends, and lines with everything from the point spread to hundreds of prop bets on everything from the coin toss to the color of Gatorade to how many yards is Travis Kelsey going to score? How many, you know, I don't know if they have any Taylor Swift related props. You know, I would advise not looking into those too much, but they probably have it over at BetOnline. And of course, BetOnline is the number one source for your championship wagering. So what are you guys waiting for? Head to bet online and join today to get in on all the action. Bet online. The game starts here. And then real quick, guys, let me get you our prize picks for the Super Bowl. And going with going with some old standbys here, obviously, uh, the one you'll notice right off the top, Patrick Mahomes, more than a half passing yard. That is the special they're running for the Super Bowl. Um, And if you do that. Uh, that's basically a free square. The only limitation is that it does cap the amount you can wager on this set of picks. I believe it caps it at $25 or whatever. So if you were looking to go huge, you can't involve the free square. But um Patrick Mahomes, free square over a half pa- over, you know, basically getting one passing yard. It's basically a free square. You're gonna take that every time. And then this is where it gets tough because. I'm going to go with the stars being featured, right? Because I think both of these teams are going to feature their stars. Travis Kelsey, more than 71 and a half receiving yards. The 49ers are a good defense, but Patrick Mahomes is going to go to his guy in the biggest moments. That's what he's done all postseason. Um, I just can't imagine Travis Kelsey not being a major part of this game. Same thing with Christian McCaffrey. The Chiefs defense is really, really good against the pass. They're not as good against the run. They do allow a healthy yards per carry average and you know the 49ers are going to lean on their guy Christian McCaffrey as much as they can so Christian McCaffrey more than 90 and a half rushing yards in this one that's what we're going with for this I think these are some pretty good choices feel free to use mine uh, or you can pick your own they have a whole bunch pretty much every player it seems like the Super Bowl has some kind of uh, number associated with them but guys in case you're not aware, uh, Prize Picks is a skill based daily fantasy game. You pick two to six players, decide if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection. The more players you pick, the more you can win all the way up to 25 times your money or more with their new, uh, like, goblin style ones. If the red ones increase the odds uh, or the payouts or whatever it is that they, they call it, and the green ones make it a little bit easier, but they reduce the numbers a little bit. Um, so, whatever you prefer, if you're very cautious you can go with the green ones if you're more aggressive on it you could go with the red ones uh and at prize picks you're not competing against other people it's just you versus the projections and prize picks like we see here with Patrick Mahomes they've got a generous promotion schedule they've got weekly promotions Taco Tuesday Flex Friday keep your eyes open for those free squares and other promotions and it's not just the NFL once the Super Bowl ends prize picks is going to offer projections on any sport that you watch and NBA MLB uh, when that starts up NHL PGA you know college basketball with Martha Madness coming. All that stuff, guys. They've got it and more. And prize picks. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less with fast withdrawals It's that easy. And all first-time users that deposit and use our promo code DBB will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So that means if you deposit 100, prize picks will match and give you 100. If you throw in 50, prize picks will give you 50. Just make sure to use our promo code DBB when you sign up to let them know we sent you. And uh, it helps us out as well. So thank you guys very much for that. And since prize picks is a daily fantasy game, it's available now in 31 states, Washington, D.C., and most of Canada. It's the best way to have action on the game in states like California, Florida, Texas, Georgia, notably, and over 70% of the U.S. So check it out, guys. Thanks again to PrizePix for sponsoring today's episode. Okay, let's get into the mock draft. And first of all, the one question I'm going to answer at the top of every one of these mock drafts until we know the answer, which may not happen until the draft, is what did the Falcons do at quarterback in this projection? Because that changes the whole complexion of the mock because they maybe will have needed to trade picks for the quarterback. Maybe they will have signed a quarterback, and they, so they have less money and free agency to spend, and that might influence what they do. Or maybe they're planning to draft a quarterback, you know, so that sort of thing. So for this mock, what did they do at quarterback? We're going to say for this mock that they they addressed quarterback with a veteran addition, perhaps Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson. Perhaps they went with a bridge guy like a Gardner Minshew or whatever. But for the purposes of this mock, that we will say that they're going into this draft Not with without a desperate need for a quarterback. They could still consider a depth quarterback or a day three guy or anything like that. But they're not looking for their starter week one in this scenario. They've already got that guy on the roster. So that being said, let's go to round one, pick one. And we're going to go with an edge rusher. (laughs) I know everyone's desperate to get an edge rusher in here. I am too. We need one. We've been needing one for years and there's three guys really in contention here, and I'll probably mock them all to the Falcons at one time or another, but to start with, you know, Alabama's Dallas Turner is one, uh, Florida State's Jared Verse is another, and then UCLA's Layatulatu is the third one. They all have their benefits. They all have their little knocks. Um, to me, I'm not changing my stance from last year. I was team Jared Verse all the way. I was heartbroken when he decided to go back to college. Um, I'm a big Jared Verse fan, and I would still take Jared Verse as the as, as Edge One in this class. Although I think all three are worthy of the pick, um, and the reason for me is pretty simple. Verse is the most well-rounded. Uh, he has a good mix of athleticism, a good mix of size, and he's an advanced technician. He's the most consistent producer, and that is a big deal for me in my evaluation. I want to know can you do it, and can you do it for more than one year? He's not the elite technician that Layatulatu is. We saw it at the Senior Bowl. Layatulatu is an artist with his pass rush. He's very good in that area. But, uh, and he's not the elite athlete that Dallas Turner is. Dallas Turner is going to test like crazy. He's going to be that, you know, typical top 10 style edge rusher that's just going to blow the testing out of the water. But Jared Verse, while he's not, the technician that Latu is, or the athlete that Turner is, he's a much better athlete than Latu, and he's a lot more consistent and has a better frame than Dallas Turner. So it's kind of that like Jer versus between the two, and I think that's a good mix. Um, and you know, the other thing with Versus that he is an older prospect. You know, Latu is also 23, I believe. Verse is going to be 24 his rookie year, whereas I think Dallas Turner is going to be 21. So a little bit older of a prospect, so you have to take that into consideration too. But for me, I'm just looking to get the best edge rusher in here that we can, and the guy that's going to hit the ground running the fastest, in my opinion, is probably Jared Verse. Uh, Maybe Liatulatu, you could argue, has a, a... just an instant impact style of game. He just doesn't have the ceiling maybe of a verse and definitely not of a Dallas Turner, but he's ready to play. I think verse is kind of the perfect mix of those things. I think he's a locked in edge one type of player that's going to be able to immediately come in and contribute on all three downs and be a starter for you. And you don't really have to worry about like a Dallas Turner that you're going to have to coach up. Um, Even though Dallas Turner's great prospect, very athletic, has a lot of stuff going his way. I'm team verse. I think he's a perfect compliment to Arnold Ebicady. Uh, if Atlanta's going to more of that three, four style front and, and verse can play two point or three point stance, no matter what defense they want to run. He's versatile. He's got that physicality. He's got the pass rush prowess. He's super explosive, physical, heavy hands. Love Jared verse would love him in Atlanta. He's my pick at eight. Uh, if we're not spending that pick on a quarterback, essentially. And um, moving on to pick 43 in the second round, this is probably where people are going to be, a little bit upset with me, but it, it really depends because everyone's going to say they should take a wide receiver at 43 if they have this pick. Um, And you're not wrong. Like, I do think that if the right receiver is here, they really need to take that receiver because that's a desperate need. In this scenario, I just didn't love the guys that were here. You know, the the, the typical guys you see. Maybe Xavier Leggett, maybe like an Adonai Mitchell, maybe some of these top guys end up falling to this range. You know, that there are a number of receivers that I would absolutely love to take here. Uh, Troy Franklin, if he falls, you know, Ladd McConkey with this move to, to more of this Ram style offense, it's going to feature a slot receiver. Absolutely. You know, even a guy like Keon Coleman, I would have him in this range. But I think like when you get past that, you know, you get to guys like Leggett. Tez Walker, Jermaine Burton, Jalen Polk, you know, that, that sort of group. It just, those guys are all good and they all have their merits. I'm just not necessarily sold on them as like slam dunk, like top 45 level prospects. So that's why I went in a different direction. You're going with Minnesota safety, Tyler Newbin, who I think is the arguably top safety prospect in the class. I think he's a, a, he should be a first round player. But because of, you know, the value of the position, he's not. Um, he is, you know, instead uh, a, a top 50 prospect, certainly. I, I would be shocked if he makes it at the top 50. But you're getting the best safety in the draft, and he's a very good safety. And you're getting him at pick 43. I, I love this pick. I love this fit. And I'll, I'll tell you why. And it's because we know the Falcons need to get a safety to pair with jesse bates and i'd love it if it was a high-end safety because i think then you you create a really strong part of your team your safety group is elite you can build off of that you can build your entire defense around something like that i think a lot of we'd also like to make the defensive line a real strike too and we're working on that with the verse pick but you can't with the team spending so much money on jesse bates it makes it really hard to go out and get another veteran safety to pair with him you can you can get you know solid guys. You can get depth guys, you can, and I think they have a good depth guy in Demarco Helms, and even Richie Grant is a good depth guy. But neither of those guys, I think, are really like guys plus starters that you would be like, oh, if you add this guy in there with Jesse Bates, you've got this elite tandem. Newbin is that type of player. He is he checks all the boxes. Uh, he's high end safety prospect, six two two ten, super athletic, physical coverage chops, I mean, instinctive ball hawking, aggressive. Like, he checks all the boxes. He doesn't have elite speed. Um, You know, he doesn't have elite deep speed, so he's probably not going to be the best man coverage safety. But other than that, there's very few things with Nubin that, like, I mean, he really just checks the boxes. He's a, a top safety prospect. And I think... You add him next to Jesse Bates and you potentially have a claim on the best safety deal in the NFL for four years with Newbin on a rookie contract and Jesse Bates making a lot, but that's the perfect pairing. If you can get that top safety to pair with Jesse Bates, you've got a set safety room with a good third safety in DeMarco Helms and you still got Richie Grant for a year that safety room is set and it looks great. And I think that is an immediate strength that you can build your secondary around. And you've already got a good corner in, in AJ Terrell. And, you know, if you extend him, then you've got another piece in place. And then you're really just looking, I think to, to patch cornerback two, which, you know, maybe we, you can do later in this draft. Maybe you could bring back Jeff Okuda, but I think, I think the slot is in good hands with D Alford. So this, the secondary is almost done. So if you get that safety set and again, the cornerback could be in play here at, at round two as well. I didn't love the value there as much as I liked Newbin here, but um, it's it's a really intriguing fit, and I, I like that one a lot. Uh, next pick, pick uh, 74 in the third round. We're going to get that receiver we need. Um, and, you know, I'm, uh, this, I've seen Michigan's Roman Wilson is the pick here. And when I saw Roman Wilson, you know, in this range before, I was kind of like, eh, you know, it, it's interesting, but I don't love it, you know. But at the Senior Bowl, Roman Wilson showed that he absolutely deserves to be in consideration in the third round. Um, He looked like an elite separator. Uh, He doesn't have that great size. He's just six foot, close to 200 pounds. But he's got that elite deep speed. He's got the agility. He's a super dangerous deep threat. He's a good separator. And his hands are fantastic. He tracks the deep ball extremely well. He makes great catches. And he's got better run after catch than you would expect, even though he's not overly physical. he He's very agile and explosive he's a dynamic wide receiver two slash three type of prospect i mean i think you're probably hoping to get him to a wide receiver two eventually this year you're probably only going to expect to get wide receiver three level production out of him but he can play outside and in the slot if this is like the rams offense they're going to have a lot of guys moving in and out of that position I think he pairs really well with what the Falcons already have and Drake London being that big physical outside presence and Kyle Pitts being that sort of unique size speed matchup threat where you've got now got three guys that can play outside or in the slot or in Kyle Pitts's case lined up as an inline tight end. And it gives you a lot of options to attack defenses. And I think that's a really good fit. Obviously Wilson's an older rookie. I think he's like 23. He does have some medical questions that are going to have to be answered at the combine, but you know, that's why he's still here. Like, because after his senior bowl, I think some people are like hyping him up as a second round pick. I think the medical questions and the age are probably going to keep him in this range. But I think he'd be a great fit here at pick 74. And I would be very excited to add him there. Um, with our second, third rounder, this is the, the Ridley pick. And this could become a second. We'll see. because And that would change things, right? That make it easier to add a second round wide receiver. Maybe, like I said, that Jalen Polk type of guy. Uh, Xavier Leggett, one of those types um, with that other second round pick you could be a little bit you know, more flexible if you've got two of them, um, but it, right now it's a third, so I'm probably going to usually go like BPA here, like what's the best player who is one of the players I like the most and at this spot I really like uh, Texas A&M defensive tackle McKinley Jackson. We know the Falcons need to start bolstering their depth and and loading up and starting to develop new guys there. They've got anyamata and Jarrett. I don't think either of those guys are going anywhere. I know people have speculated. Oh, is Jarrett on the way out? I, I, I don't know why people think Jarrett's an old man. He's like 31 years old. So relax on Grady Jarrett being shown the door. That duo of Anyamata and Jarrett was amazing when they were playing. So. But long-term, yes, like they do need to get more guys in. They need to bolster the depth. They need to start the developmental pipeline. And McKinley Jackson, you could see it at the senior bowl. He's got a ton of potential. He flashed quite a bit. And look, he's got a great frame, 6'2", 320, elite athletic traits. He could be a three-down NFL starter in time. Super high energy. He's got good technique against the run. I think he's an immediate early-down contributor. Um, and he's got all the traits to to be a good pass rusher. He just needs to learn the pass rush plan, learn the counters, learn the moves. And, you know, when when Ryan Nielsen was here, I know he'd feel a lot more confident about that type of stuff. Uh, we'll have to see how these new coaches handle it, but I think going for a McKinley Jackson here, getting that guy you can develop and make, you know, a part of your rotation behind the 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 veterans that are probably going to still be carrying the defensive line. I think that's a great idea because we saw what happened when we lost Jarrett and we didn't really have anything to back him up that was that had that level of play or even that level of potential. You know, I think the Falcons have guys like LaCale London in there that was looking good, you know, maybe they bring back Contavious Street who was solid in relief uh duty there, but I think they need to get more potential more players on the D line to keep building up that unit into a strike that i think mckinley jackson's a great option there in the third round Moving to the fourth round we've got cornerback uh Kyrie jackson from oregon another senior bowl guy if you're noticing a trend here this is the senior bowl edition of the of the mock draft so we're gonna get some senior bowl guys in here but Kyrie jackson you look at him and you're like oh wow this guy i i'm into it you know uh sick he was he measured in at six three and a half and over 200 pounds he is the the archetype of the modern NFL outside corner who's going to be, you know, playing a lot of zone playing, you know, some press and stuff like that. Um, He's, he's big. He's, he's athletic, you know, and and he's only basically a one-year starter. So he's got a lot to prove. I I like what I've seen so far from him. I thought he played well at the senior bowl. It was a little bit of a truncated viewing because he played well and then left um, on day one and missed day two and then came back and played well on day three. But He's got outstanding length. Um, he plays sticky coverage. I think he he looks the part. It's just you haven't seen a lot of it. You know, at his size, he's always going to have some limitations. He's an outside-only corner. The change of direction is not going to be great. So you're going to want to make him probably a matchup specialist. And he's he's physical and he's aggressive and he's grabby. Um, and that's not a surprise for a guy that doesn't have a ton of experience. But I think he's a super coachable prospect. He's obviously got the traits you're looking for, and I I think he's got. That starting upside. He's a great value if he's if he's here on draft eight. And I think he fits probably the scheme that we're going to see Raheem and and Jimmy Lake put in. Um, so I like I like the Falcons going and getting Jackson here if he falls to to get a guy to develop into that potential cornerback two across from Terrell. Because again, if if you're paying Terrell, you really want a young cornerback two that's not going to break the bank. And maybe that could be Clark Phillips, but you're you're going to ha- want to take more shots there and continue to build out that depth so you don't have to overspend to get a cornerback two in here. Um, moving on to the penultimate pick here, round five, pick 145. We did add Roman Wilson at receiver, right? But the Falcons have a lot of work to do at receiver. And they're probably going to add veterans too, at least one or two. But I, I think they should they should attack this position in the draft here as much as they can. This is a deep class. They've got a lot of guys. And it shows here with wide receiver Luke McCaffrey out of Rice and you know, other senior bowl Guy still being here in the fifth round. Um and he's a slot specialist. I I and Luke McCaffrey's not your average slot specialist where he's a tiny receiver, but he he does have some size. He's 6'2, 202, former quarterback. Um but he's he's got that outside potential, but right now he's a slot specialist. He's only played wide receiver for a few years. He's you could tell he has some inside knowledge, right, of like where to go, where to be, where the quarterback's gonna be looking for him. That really helps jumpstart sort of his development as a wide receiver but he's got a ways to go he's got a limited route tree at this point um he doesn't really have elite speed he's a good separator with his lateral quickness and he's very physical he's tough he'll make all the catches he's got great hands but right now he's a slot specialist he's probably like a wide receiver three top sort of guy like you know i think you know wide receiver three four type of prospect in my opinion but you know, in the fifth round, that's a good value. I think he's a, a guy who has starting potential in the league as a slot player. And again, this is another guy that would fit that Sean McFay offense well because he does potentially have that outside versatility. You could move him around and do a lot of interesting things. I I like him a lot. I thought he played well at the senior bowl. He got outshined by like the top guys, which is not surprising, but he absolutely looked like he belonged there. He was always making plays when I saw him. He doesn't have the flashy athleticism of a lot of these higher-end prospects, and that's why he's going to go here. He's he's not a high-end prospect, but he is a good prospect. He's a solid prospect, a guy that I think has starting upside as a wide receiver three. But even if he's just a wide receiver four for you at this point in the draft, you're probably pretty happy there, and he can boost that slot receiver rotation if the Falcons add a veteran as well and and maybe be... a be a guy that could save you some money in the future, right? If, if you get a veteran in here and then McCaffrey shows out, you could cut that guy next year, um, and save some money because eventually, you know, we're going to have to figure out what we're doing at quarterback. And if we're paying the quarterback, like in this scenario, where we've got a veteran, we're going to need to save money anywhere we can. And wide receiver is going to be one of those spots. Um, final pick round six, pick 198. This is technically from the Browns, I believe. Um, And this one I'm going to, this is kind of just like, oh, who do you like at this point? You know, who do you like at this point in the draft? And one position we didn't address that I think would be interesting to is offensive tackle because Caleb McGarry, you know, for the most part, we got another solid year out of Caleb McGarry, especially later in the season. And when he couldn't play, we got solid play out of Storm Norton at swing tackle. So, you know, it's, they're, they're probably going to bring back Storm Norton. I would just to keep the stability there, but long-term they they could use a guy to develop. Um. And I think Tyler Vrabel is unlikely to stick around now that, you know, Arthur Smith's out, out of town. And, um, you know, obviously, may- maybe he sticks around with Dwayne Ledford because he's been developing him and all that stuff. But I really like what I've seen from Marshall's Ethan Driscoll. He, you know, I know he's drawn a lot of athletic comparisons to like a Spencer Brown as like a big uh athletic sort of, you know, FCS Level, you know, lower level, like college prospect um, that just has a ton of ability and his a, and a lot of potential. Um, and Driscoll is a great athlete, 6'8", 320, massive guy. And at, at Marshall, he's been a good, I would say he's been a solid to above average pass protector and he's a very good run blocker. But you look closer and you can tell, like, he's got a lot of work to do on his technique. His hand placement is all over the place. He's just sort of overwhelming his opposition with his natural talent, which is totally fine. But it's going to take more than that in the NFL level. And I think that he's a guy that's going to need a year or two before he's really ready to see the light of day. So he's probably more that, you know... Third offensive tackle that you know your your third or fourth offensive tackle that you stash on the roster as like your developmental guy, but his his size and athleticism it demands attention. He's going to be drafted, I would imagine, because of that. And look, if the Falcons trust Dwayne Linford as much as I sort of think they do, I think they'll take a swing on a guy like Driscoll in this class, whether it's at this late or maybe earlier if they if they have a guy they like better. But I like Driscoll. I, I like the value here. You're not spending a ton. And, you know, anytime you could potentially find a guy that that has upside start in the starting range at this point in the draft, I think you got to take it. And, you know, you might never play him. Uh, You might never want to. Uh, It might take a while. But I I do think Driscoll is very intriguing and has all the traits and um, looks like a guy that I I would, you know, at least he's going to be big and athletic and get in the way of guys. And, And there's if you've got that, you can at least do something in this league, usually. So. So that's, that's the picks, guys. Uh, just a quick recap. Uh, we got Jared Verse uh, with the first round pick at eight. The edge rusher out of Florida State in the second round, we got safety Tyler Newbin from Minnesota uh, with the 43rd pick in the second round. And then at pick 74 in the third round, we got wide receiver Roman Wilson out of Michigan with pick 79. In the third round, we got defensive tackle McKinley Jackson from Texas A&M. With pick 109 in the fourth round, we got quarterback Kyrie Jackson from Oregon. Pick 145 in the fifth round. We got pick, uh, excuse me, wide receiver, Luke McCaffrey from Rice. And then finally, pick 198 in the sixth round. Offensive tackle, Ethan Driscoll from Marshall. I think it's a well-rounded class. I think it addresses a lot of needs. Obviously, the combine still has to come. We'll see how guys' stock elevates or, or shrinks or falls or moves around. This is just kind of a first look at some of the guys that elevated themselves in the senior bowl, some guys that really got my attention and, and an idea of what a possible draft class for the Falcons could look like if they address quarterback without using any of these picks, essentially like if they keep all their picks and address quarterback, either with a veteran or some other future pick move or whatever it is. And they don't spend any of these picks on that quarterback, then this is a potential scenario. And there's a lot of other options at quarterback. So we'll talk about those two as we get closer to free agency and, and see if anything happens there. But For now, this is my attempt. So thank you guys for checking out the show. I'm Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin. Please do like, subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Leave us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Check out the channel memberships if you're an avid YouTube viewer and you want to support the show. Check out the Patreon for podcast listeners. We will be back uh, on Wednesday for more takes on the quarterback, search on uh, anything else going on with the coaching staff, and of course, starting to turn our eyes towards free agency and I'll be having a salary cap primer uh, as we do every year. I'll have that coming out for you guys real soon so we can get a better idea of how the Falcons can can address their salary cap, which is in good shape, but they can clear some more space. And we'll talk about uh, the type of moves they can make there to, to make that work. So, guys, thank you again so much for tuning in to the Dirty Birds and Brews podcast. We'll see you next time. Have a great day, folks. And, oh, real quick, got to thank our sponsors, of course, uh, BetOnline.ag and Prize picks for sponsoring the show. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you guys next time on Dirty Birds and Bruce. Have a good one, folks.